0: Threads of Fate, Written by Vass Underscore Humans were nothing more than an insignificant curiosity in an unremarkable system in the galactic backyard, far from the galactic civilization. Having only recently discovered warp technology just prior to their first contact with us, their technology was hopelessly backwards. Their ship's propulsion was still chiefly generated by rocket engines that rely on chemical combustion, and their ability to colonize, even within their own solar system, was still extremely limited. When the Molzac Collective's expansion into the periphery reached the human star system, the reaction to the Molzac's ultimatum to become incorporated into the Collective was interesting enough to reach some local views. They refused the ultimatum. It was not unheard of, but it was relatively rare for such backward civilizations to reject such ultimatums. The massive disparity of power, usually meant such ultimatums, would be accepted. But humans rejected, not once, but thrice. Consequently, nobody was surprised when the Molzak's fleets swooped into their star system to enforce their dominion and effortlessly sterilize the system of human colonies, installations, and ships, until humans were reduced back to being planet-bound on Earth. Holding them at gunpoint, Molzak fleets in the orbit of Earth once again delivered them an ultimatum. They rejected it. News of the fourth rejection infuriated the Primarch of the region to a point where it decreed the permanent slave status of the human species, which meant no human could ever become a resident within the Collective. On top of that, the Lord ordered the human homeworld destroyed. Enslaving humans by force and glassing the planet from the orbit was a straightforward plan. But when the first ships entered the atmosphere, the humans did something unthinkable. They saturated the skies with nuclear missiles by the thousands. Turned out they had stockpiled them for hundreds of years and had enough to glass the planet several times over, all by themselves. Nobody knew why they bothered having such weapons when the only ones that they could use them against for most of their history were they themselves. The onslaught of nuclear strikes took fleet admirals by surprise, but it was largely ineffective nonetheless. They caused some light casualties on the initial waves, severely irradiating the planet in the process and destroying some smaller ships in orbit. Most of the missiles missed their targets and disappeared into the void. A while later, the Earth was destroyed and what little remained of humans ended up as slaves. Shortly after the war, It turned out the humans had spent their time after the first contact constructing formidable interstellar ships which they had been sending out into space for the last 50 years before the war. They had surmised that the only way to ensure the survival of the species in a galaxy of entities far more powerful civilizations was not to colonize, but to go starborn. Over those 50 years, approximately 12% of the human population was sent out into the void those humans would be the ones that would later form the first star-born human states, infamous for their traders, mercenaries, and pirates. Human concepts of piracies and mercenaries were wildly different from what the galaxy had known at the time, so much so that during the hundred years that followed the destruction of Earth, the galaxy slowly spiraled into a political chaos with new kinds of proxy walls and corporate walls erupting all over the galaxy, as various powers realized the benefits of these new concepts and made full use of them. Lawmakers everywhere were sent into frenzy by the human rights from the get-go, as they struggled to define how the human states were even supposed to be defined or approached legally. The concept of a fully starborn civilization was completely alien to them, and the laws of the time were completely ill-prepared to deal with such political entity practically and in the context of war. Legal issues were slowly ironed out, but humans tended to operate in such a way as to exploit every possible legal loophole and stretch the very meaning of legality to the extreme, which had led to them growing tendrils of influence that reached to the highest echelons of government all over the galaxy. In time, their mercenary armies and fleets were roaming about freely across national boundaries, and their power would eclipse even that of many actual nations. Almost 200 years after the destruction of Earth, this political turmoil in the galaxy culminated when one night in the Molzak Collective's capital world, stars began to fall. Over 10,000 ancient rocket engine-propelled nuclear missiles simultaneously appeared out of warp over the planet and entered the atmosphere before a meager planetary defense force could even hope to react to their sudden appearance. Unbeknownst to the humans of the day, the last defenders of Earth had used the remaining years, modifying and building up their nuclear arsenal, creating warp-capable nuclear missiles essentially from scrap. The warp technology was so crude it took them almost 200 years to reach the Molzak's homeworld. What was still startling about the missiles was that they had no guidance or targeting systems. They were sent on an unaltered trajectory all the way from Earth guided by nothing but the power of mathematical equations of godlike perfection. The missiles released old spirits of vengeance upon the Molzac. Molzac's collective effectively dissolved overnight, when most of their political elite were wiped out, and the power vacuum left behind by the collapsing empire sucked the galaxy into its seemingly endless waves of war and revolutions. Like a tsunami of chaos, they swept through the galaxy, dethroning the old powers that were whose powers, dynamics, and politics had eons ago regressed into rigid, customary traditions, where diplomacy had become nothing more than a facade of formality to backroom dealings of the elite. When the old ways failed, power shifted from those who relied on stability and common conventions of the old world to those who thrived in chaos. It might well be nothing but accidental poetry of fate's chance, but some may find beauty of comic justice in the fact that it was the humankind that rose to the zenith from the ashes of their destroyers. Who could have known that an insignificant war on some obscure planet at the end of the galaxy would pull the thread that unravels the galaxy? End of story. Story number two. Liberty or Death. Written by Vass underscore. Before we came to you, you humans were stuck, festering in your filth ebullition in that miserable ball of dirt you call home. And yet, even still despite your decrepit conditions, the Empress herself defiled the purity of her souls by touching the soil of your wretched earth, promising you the world above in the stars. She gave you everything you need, everything your insolent apes could ever hope to deserve. Even that, she gave you out of the benevolence. She purified your lands, and she appointed your leaders, who she knew wanted nothing but your good of your kind. All she asked was your loyalty, and this is how you pay for it. The colossal brute of an alien cast blood into his hand groaning and recoiling in pain. It clasps its torn clothes on its bloody chest covered in its wounds. You spineless apes in your moral weakness have committed atrocities even to your own kind that we could not fathom. Yet you dare send diplomats to complain of the rightful ruler of this galaxy appointed by the very gods themselves of your oppression. Pression from what? By what? Your own weakness and stupidity. By the gods, even after a hundred years of enlightenment, under the tutelage of our scientists and engineers, your empathetic five-fingered 4 can barely master warp drives. Yet you, sir, you stand dictating your moral superiority to those who conquered the stars just because you cannot abide the natural order and bow before your rightful ruler. We're all slaves, birth, and it is only through unfaltering service to Her Majesty, the Light of the Galaxy, the Empress Lakaia, that anyone can truly be free, and yet you fools can't see it. What freedom do you see? What freedom could you know with that stupid mind of a primate that has barely managed to climb the Tree of Evolution? To undertake the path of sapience and enlightenment we gave you purpose when you deserved none we gave you the keys to the stars when you had none we told you the secrets of the universe when you knew nothing yet here you stand a worthless creature with no purpose other than to serve themselves and their own foolish endeavors Blind to the divine purpose of this world. The gods are with us. You treasonous Cretans. You would not hold a candle even to the Galgarian in fairer fight with your physique of an infant. I would crush your skull with a flick of one arm and kill thousands of you lot with my bare hands. You're nothing but a crap stain on the history books of the galaxy. The alien recoils again in pain and coughs, just barely managing to finish the sentence. You weak monkeys. The human, a skinny man in a dirty, rugged combat suit a size too big and a formidable pistol in his hands, kneels by the alien. A piercing gaze of a tired but determined pair of eyes sunken into their sockets in the face, stark with grime and filth, looks at the alien. The alien's grievous wounds bleed profusely when a coughs and a pool of blood forming underneath it slowly expands to reach the man's boots. He looks down at the pool of blood and chuckles. Pray tell me, oh mighty, he says and stands up, pointing the pistol at the alien. Why do you bleed? End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video.